time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. We made it, guys. We made it to the month of July. I didn't think we would, but here we are. Uh, You know, it's been a fun week already with our episodes, Jason Ramos yesterday and Ken Lee on Monday. Uh, If you have not had a chance to listen to the Ken Lee interview, or you maybe did and didn't like some of the audio uh, (laughs) that was going on, it was a little choppy, a little uh, lower sounding on Ken's end. We have gone in and fixed that. Actually, Ken Lee did it, if we're honest. He went in and fixed it. Uh, But I put that new recording in there to replace the old one. So it should sound much better if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. Uh, It was a lot of fun chatting with him on Monday. Uh, Yesterday, of course, was Jason Ramos. Just a blast talking football. I could talk football 365 days a year. Uh, Just a lot of fun catching up with him. Really appreciate uh, some of the things he said, especially towards the end of his interview. Uh, it's It's been so much fun. I say this all the time with so many different people, but uh, just a blast catching up with those guys. Uh, today is Wednesday. We all know Wednesdays mean one thing. That's Bill Barnes. He is here again for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Uh, excited to hear from him as always. He's going to spend a little time with us before he heads out to uh, Laughlin, Nevada for the 4th of July weekend. And yes, 4th of July will happen this weekend, Independence Day. I'm excited about it. I know there's plenty of people around the country who probably aren't excited about it, probably want to dismiss it, but we're not going to do that here on the Get Home Save podcast. We're going to promote uh, uh, freedom. We're going to promote our independence, talk a little bit about uh, history, uh, our Friday show. We'll dive into a lot of that as a celebration of our country. That's my plan. I have a few things I want to say, a few different topics. Uh, no word on a guest yet. I have guests recorded, but I'm thinking Friday will just be uh, me and maybe a few uh, comments and topics. I haven't decided yet. I'm still working on it. So uh, be sure to uh, to tune into that. Um, you know, I don't know where to start sometimes. Uh, sometimes I, I write these things down and I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, all these protests and riots. Uh, well, I shouldn't say protests, I should say riots, but a lot of the rioting is, you know, it's turned into this terrorism almost with things being destroyed, uh, people wanting to erase history. Um, I'll get into this at some point, a little more in detail, but I, I do want to say that, you know, to, to truly want to erase history, I think is very dangerous. Um, to, to hate, first of all, to hate something, I think you need to understand it first. You know, uh, I, I saw a movie one time about a, a guy who he was basically this college professor who, who hated God. And he said, uh, well, he said there was no God. And the whole point of the film was this student was he said, I'm not going to say there isn't a God. He had very strong religious beliefs. Well, the teacher said, well, you, you have to prove that God exists. And the teacher was you know, just telling him, if you don't say God doesn't exist, you have to prove it exists or you fail the class. Well, it's a well-known movie. It's called God's Not Dead. But anyway, I think it's relatable from this standpoint. 
uh, the, the student eventually gets under the teacher's skin enough to tell to have, for the teacher to say that he hates God because of all the things that happened in his life. And he truly, he hates God. This is an atheist and he hates God. And the student tells him, how can you hate something that doesn't exist? And that's always stuck with me. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a low budget movie, but uh, a great story. And I, I just, I love that message that um, we can hate all these things. We can hate uh, a bunch of things, but you, you need to understand them. You need to understand that, uh, some things have happened in our country, maybe that we don't all agree with, but uh, you can't just magically erase that something's happened. You also can't hate history until you understand history. I, I bet you I'm willing to put money on a lot of the people who want to destroy certain statues and images. Uh, they, they probably have no idea uh, what year the Declaration of Independence was signed. They probably have no idea uh, what years the Civil War were fought. They probably have no idea what the date June 6th means, what the date December 7th means. They probably have no idea. They're just diving in, um, chanting, destroying, those are my thoughts that I, if I had to wager, I would say a lot of these people destroying things, demanding change, uh, wanting change is one thing, but when you start destroying things, I, I just don't see how that helps anything. I just don't. I mean, there's plenty of people who disagree with me. I'm sure of it, but my, my if I have to sum it all up, I would say that you, you can't, you can't hate history until you understand it or know all the details about what happened. You, you just can't. You're you're ignorant otherwise. I mean, I just I I could almost guarantee it that uh, over half the people involved in this stuff uh, don't know some of those important dates or important moments. They they hear that someone was. Uh, did bad things and that's all they care about. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's just ruin everything. Um, so I think to start off, we need to all be a little more educated. I, I know I do too. There's plenty of things I need to learn more about, but I'm willing to listen and learn about them. And unfortunately, um, you know, this all started a long time ago with, with removing things from schools and just being less and less educated on history. So, I think we really got to be careful, guys. I mean, I know the 4th of July is this weekend, and, and yeah, that's a that's a running joke, of course. Uh, hey, what day is the 4th of July on? Uh, July 4th. <laughs> but I used to love when Jay Leno would go out and do jay, jaywalking, and they'd ask questions like that, like, uh, you know, hey, uh, who, you know, when was World War II? Oh, that was like uh, 1850 or something. You know, people would give these ridiculous answers because they didn't know, and that's unfortunate, you know. Uh, especially with our phones, the fact that you could Google something real quick uh, and learn almost anything. These are things you should know. I mean, the late 1700s, 1776 through, you know, the, the late 1770s and 80s. I mean, those are moments in our history where this country was formed. And 
there was a lot of a lot of people were lost and a lot of fights, a lot of fighting and just violent. Just we're gonna go into all that on Friday, I can promise you, just because I think it's relevant and and I really want to have a good fourth of July show. It's gonna be July third, but I want to talk about those things as we close out the week. So that's kind of my plan. But again, uh I don't think you can hate something until you truly understand it. Otherwise, there's, to me, that's just uh, ignorant, and there's a lot of ignorance going around the country these days. Um, I do want to say something about uh, – we had something recently happen on the program. Uh, I talked about it yesterday, maybe the day before, about a voice message uh, and how a voice message can be sent in from a uh, one of the listeners. It can be however long, but you know, probably 10, 15, 20 seconds. And you can send a question in and, uh, you know, that I would answer it, answer it and put it on the air. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a moment to play that. I'm going to play you our very first voice message. It's from Will Tarico, who has actually already recorded with me. And he's going to be on the program at some point next week uh, with his interview. But I I do want to play his message right now. I will respond to it and you guys will kind of get an idea of how that is going to work. Just so I want you guys to see this. So he was gracious enough to send something in, send me a question. So I'm going to play it and then I'm going to respond and hopefully more people get involved. So uh, let's give it a try. Hey Matt, Will Tarico here. Uh, I know you're a, you're an official, so you you uh you get to be around a lot of athletes. Uh, my question for you was, who is the best athlete that you've ever umpired or refed? Thank you, Will Tarico, for sending us that message. Uh, I'll I, I will answer it this way, Will. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to umpire baseball at a pretty high level, uh, minor league baseball. Uh, didn't didn't get to AAA or the big leagues or anything, but uh, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of guys on the field who I ended up uh, who I umpired, and they ended up getting to the big leagues. I also had the opportunity to umpire a lot of guys who were down rehabbing, especially in like the California League, uh, just because all those all that's pretty regional. So uh, I had that opportunity to do that. Uh, so I've seen a lot of a lot of pretty good baseball players. So I'll, I'll probably have to start there. I'll touch on a few like high school and college football and basketball players I've seen. Uh, but let me tell you about baseball. So when I was in the minor leagues, a few players that were kind of coming up with me uh, were Jock Peterson, Yasiel Puig, uh, George Springer, Billy Hamilton, CJ Crone, Brad Miller, Nick Cassianos. Uh, those were guys that were in the minor leagues with, with me that eventually got to the big leagues. I also umpired some independent baseball um, and had a few ex-big leaguers there. Uh, Reggie Abercrombie, a really talented player, uh, very athletic all around. And then uh, a pitcher, Mark Hamburger. Yes, that's his actual name. He pitched in the big leagues a little bit. Uh, had very good stuff on the mound. A lot of fun to see there. Um, and then as far as a few like rehab guys I had, uh, Matt Camp rehabbed a few games. Uh, Billy Wagner was a pitcher. He was a closer for the Mets uh, in the uh, mid, let's see, late 2000s, 2000. Yeah, anyway, uh, he was a rehabber there. Saw him, Pablo Sandoval, Carlos Quentin, Juan Uribe, Carlos Zambrano, uh, Houston Street. Had all those guys in games at one point or another as on rehab assignments, um, getting some work, coming back from injury and such. So, so those are some 
pretty talented guys at the big league level. They really stood out at the minor league level. Um, I will tell you of all of those guys, you, you specifically said the most athletic, I think in your question. So I'll tell you this, uh, <laughs> Billy Hamilton, uh, was playing for the Reds. I believe he plays for the Royals now, but he was not only one of the fastest people I've ever seen, but it was ridiculous in the minor leagues. He, everyone knew he was going to steal. They would throw over three times, they'd pitch out and he'd still steal. It wasn't, it was no surprise. It was the, the let the worst kept secret in all of baseball that Billy Hamilton was going to steal a base. Um, in my year in 2012, he broke the, minor league stolen base record. I don't remember what it was, but he'd get up there. He'd steal third. And then two pitches later, or excuse me, he's still second. And then he'd steal third. And it was just ridiculous. He would, he would score on ground balls. Uh, when he was the runner on third, he'd score on ground balls to the pitcher. Uh, he would do all kinds of stuff. And it was just crazy. You had to be on your toes. Uh, when he was at the plate, if he hit a ground ball, uh, it was just every, every play at first base was just a whacker, a, a very close play. So he made everything close. Um, so I named some some names there that are pretty good big league players, and, and Billy Hamilton is in the big leagues, but just an incredible athlete, unbelievable speed. Uh, just he changed the game for everybody. He plays center field. He was playing shortstop in the minor leagues, but they moved him to center field. So just a natural athlete, killer speed, uh, unbelievable base runner. If you haven't had a chance to see him at some point, uh, so those are some of my baseball guys. I also officiated, you know, high school basketball, uh, high school and college football. No, no high levels or anything, but I'll, but I'll tell you a few names. Uh, Alonzo Ball, who plays in the NBA now, um, he, he was really good at Chino Hills High School. What He was like, I think I had him when he was like a sophomore. Anyway, I had a few guys that uh, or had the at team kind of early. Alonzo Ball was pretty quiet. He was just better than everybody else, so uh, didn't have a whole lot to say. Just a quiet dude, uh, but very good player. I mean, him and other guys on that team, as soon as they crossed half court, they were shooting the ball. And uh, just just very smooth. Uh, Chris Reyes, he was a basketball player at Damien High School. I think he ended up playing at the University of Utah. Uh, again, I didn't have many high-profile games or high-profile athletes, but he was a guy that definitely stuck out to me um, for whatever reason. He just he was a good all-around player. Uh, another basketball player, this is a guy that uh, I believe is up at Oregon State now, uh, Jared Lucas. He played at Los Altos High School. His father, Jeff Lucas, was the coach. Uh, always, uh, always fun working his games. You know, Jeff challenged you, and uh, you know you had to work hard for him. And uh, you, you know, he, uh, his son playing for him was a big deal. I think Jared, to my knowledge, Jared broke the Southern California scoring record and finished, ended up finishing third all time in California. So a very, very good basketball player. He played uh, varsity all four years. So I had him in his early years, like when he's a freshman and sophomore. Anyway, those are just some names. Uh, basketball, and then I'll give you a few football names. Um, couple guys from the Corona Centennial team in 2015, uh, J.J. Taylor, uh, J- who's at Arizona now, uh, Javon McKinley, he's at Notre Dame, or he was anyway, uh, just really, really good uh, player. Tyler Vaughn's had him at Bishop Ahmad, he's at USC. Uh, and then let's see, Nick Montana, Joe Montana, one of his kids, he played at Mount Sac for a little while, and probably the, the one of the best uh, just all-around football players who's now in the NFL is Kyle Long. He was an offensive tackle at Saddleback Community College. Uh, kind of a nasty dude, really <laughs> pushed the envelope a little bit, but a very good football player. So, again, that's probably not the one-word answer you were looking for, but I just wrote down a few names, and I was like, you know what? These haven't worked multiple sports. Those are just some of the different names I've been around. 
and uh, having an opportunity to be on the same uh, court or, or field uh, with those guys. And you know what? Uh, didn't really have any issues with uh, most of them, we'll say. <laughs> but uh, just very good talents, very uh, amazing athletes, and uh, really made you uh, be on your toes uh, at, at all times. <laughs> Not just with athletes like that, but anytime you're working a game as an official, you got to be ready for anything. So those are a few names. A big thank you to Will Tarico for sending in that voice message. It was a lot of fun. I love the interaction. It's almost like we got a, a caller, a call-in show, you know, type of thing. So, Will, if you have another question, send it in. Anybody else who has another question or a topic maybe, send it in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, there's no limit. You know, if we have a, a few, three or four calls or uh, messages, we'll, we'll put them on. Uh, I just love the interaction with you guys. So it could be any topic, any question you want. I will answer it if I can, if it fits the show. Uh, you know, maybe if it's something I can, I won't. But I think in general, I would be more than happy to answer questions and include you guys uh, in the uh, you know, in the discussion here and all the topics. So thanks again, Will Tarico. Guys, we look forward to hearing from anyone else. If you'd like to send in a voice message, it's through the Anchor app. If you don't listen through the Anchor app, uh, if you got, if you can download the Anchor app and go, I think it's you scroll all the way to the left, I believe it is, on the app, and you can leave a voice message uh, for the program. So thanks again, Will. We'd love to hear from more of you. Well, guys, let's get to the interview with Bill Barnes, our weekly Wednesday weigh-in guest. I know he's got plenty to say. I don't want to hold him up too much from getting to his trip, uh, heading off to uh, Nevada this weekend. So let's get right to it. We're going to have a quick break, and then we'll get right to our weekly interview with Bill Barnes. Well, it's time for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. We are joined every single Wednesday with Bill Barnes, the retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire. He has very strong opinions and some very random thoughts. We look forward to hearing from him every single week. Here is Bill Barnes. Well, we are joined once again with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Bill has been uh, so gracious to grace us with his presence uh, every single week the past. I don't know. We got we we must have done 10 shows by now, Bill. Welcome back. Always good to be here, even though I'm uh, we're, we're doing it uh, remotely today. Uh, you know, if if they're if our governor is going to close bars, then by all means, we're going to close the studio just to one person. <laughs> Well, Bill, we've done this remotely before, uh, but for those who have not been on the show yet, when you do it remotely, you uh, it kind of comes out like a speakerphone. So unless you have a pair of headphones, that's probably the best way to go. And Bill, this is the first time uh, you're, you're just you're improving as a podcaster here. You've you've thrown some headphones in, and you're ready to go today. What do you think? This is some kind of joke here. Of course, I'm ready to go. This is this is um, you know. <laughs> This is what I do. This is who I am. Of course, I'm going to be ready. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Well, well, your uh, your seat here in the studio is uh, is open. It's also six feet away. But anyway, yeah, we wish you were here, but we totally understand. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always work out. Well, Bill, there's uh, there's been a lot going on uh, the past week since you've been here last. We've talked about Major League Baseball. We've talked about the coronavirus. We've talked about different lockdowns and everything. I have a few things I'd like to get to, but uh, what's on your mind today? 
Well, what's what on my mind is that, uh, you know, our, our illustrious governor has chosen to take the coward's way out and <clears throat> close bars in virtually every uh, county in the state. And he has made the decision that, or actually Los Angeles County made the decision to close beaches for the July 4th holiday from, I believe, Friday through Monday. Um, you know, what, what really irks me is that these decisions are made and the public thinks that we're so fucking stupid that we can't see through the excuses and the cover-up on how this COVID is spreading. A, you can't tell me that the disease did not spread or the virus did not spread through protests that were ample and, and of enormous size of people standing shoulder to shoulder, marching, yelling, screaming, uh, demonstrating, looting. That went on for a good two weeks. The incubation period is perfect now on when the virus hit you and now that it's being tested for and positive uh, tests are showing. The timeline is perfect for all of the hundreds of thousands of people that protested supposedly peacefully and not one mention from any politician that that could have been a contributing factor. So basically, the, the, the politicians, the decision makers, Mr. Garcetti, Mr. Uh, Newsom, are protecting these protesters, protecting them, not blaming them for spreading this. You can't tell me that the, mass, the va vast majority of these cases weren't spread by them. The bars haven't been open that long. You can't blame it on bars. I mean, you can, but any smart individual knows that wasn't the case. The, the bars in L.A. County were only open for probably seven to ten days before he made this decision uh, two days ago to close them. So, well, yeah, I mean, come on, Bill. The, the, I would say, uh, you know, it's, it's all about safety here. And the, uh, all the people going to bars, those are probably the, the people that uh, were then going out and rioting and burning things as well. I mean, this has got to, by shutting bars down, uh, that has to uh, stop some of the rioting, right? I hope you know I'm kidding. Yes, I do. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I have two theories in this. A is that either Garcetti or Newsom probably never got laid in a bar in their life and they didn't use it as a, as a fun location like most of us did. And they're, they're kind of like being, uh, they're, they're being mean spirited to bars because they never had luck in one. Um, so that could be the reason. And B, it's a convenient uh, fix. It's a convenient scapegoat for them to close quote unquote bars because that's where people gather, that's where people meet. Now, since the reopening, I've been to a few, and the ones that I've been to, to be quite honest, haven't been all that crowded. And yeah, people have been um, sitting close to each other. I personally, like we did the other night, we sat outside and we distanced ourselves. 
And, um, you know, if, you, if you're smart about it, you're, you're going you're gonna to be okay. I think you're going to be okay. Now, there are a lot of young kids. There's a lot of youngsters. There's a lot of young people that think that, that uh, they're immune from this. And obviously, unless, unless these, these uh, tests are completely erroneous, which doesn't, wouldn't surprise me, um, there, there's a high po- positivity rate for the, what, 25 to 40-year-olds, okay? Well, guess what? That were the, those were the ages of the protesters, too, okay? And what, what really irritates me is that the, except for one person from the press today who questioned this, Dr. Galley from L.A. County, and really pre- pressed her on, on uh, she, this reporter was from KFI Radio at the news conference, kind of pinned her down on, hey, why aren't you attributing this to the protesters? The timeline is right, and laid out, laid out the whole thing. And this galley, you know, like any other county employee, like any other person working for the man whose agenda is to screw over uh, people, uh, took, uh, you, know, you know, danced around the whole question and didn't answer it other than to say we're closing bars and we're closing the beach. Well, you know, you're going to have to do one or two things with this virus. It's not going away. Perhaps the strain of it is, is weakening somewhat. There are, there are uh, uh, ideas out there, and people have some theories that, it's, that it's weak, the strain is weakening, but it's not going anywhere. So either we stay at home and don't go out, or we go out and we hit this thing head on and we live life as normal with some safeguards about how we live our life, how we, you know, if there's a, if there's a, um, you know, if there's a fire, don't run into it. Okay. Go around it. Um, if there is, so that, so what I mean is don't go mixing crowds. Don't, don't do the things that a lot of these protesters and a lot of these, these, "Quote unquote peaceful protesters and demonstrators did. Uh, you can't have it both ways. You can't allow that to happen, and then these people have no um, responsibility for it, and you blame it on some other entity of society. That is just plain wrong, and that's what is going on." Yeah, it's completely ridiculous, Bill. And, and I'm going to say my piece here about all this. Uh, it is complete hypocrisy to sit there uh, to, and talk to citizens with that stupid, concerned voice, that, that tone of talking down to you like you're a child uh, to tell us that uh, we're going to close the we're going to close these things for your safety. When you didn't say you didn't seem concerned at all when there's thousands of people in the streets uh, protesting and doing things, you're going to put that now on uh, owners of bars uh, that's just complete nonsense to me. And I'll say this about about bars. I would say there's there's more restaurant chains than there are like bar chains. You know what I mean? I think bars in general are a lot of uh, small business owners. And so once again, we're hammering that part of our economy in an, in an area that could grow a little bit. Uh, and it's just absolute hypocrisy. Like you said it, you cannot have it both ways. Don't lecture me on where we can and can't go when there's thousands of people in the streets and you don't say one word about it. You say, oh, these are peaceful protesters. Okay, fine. It's a different subject. But don't sit there and tell me that 
uh, our actions, going and sitting on a beach, going and sit outside on a patio with a couple of friends uh, is, is unsafe when people are on top of each other running around and all these different protests. It's, I don't know why people aren't calling out the, the media and some of our uh, political leaders for this uh, inconsistency. Well, because obviously they don't, I guess they don't care. I guess they're just, you know, just another spoonful of shit, please. And they just open their tongues and take their, their dose of shit and, and go on with their, their, their life. Um, mm-hmm. I guess for whatever reason, it, it's not that big a deal to them. Uh, I think it's ridiculous, personally. Um, I think it's a complete sham, but I'm not surprised because mm-hmm. these are the people that we, not me, we as a state and as the city of Los Angeles voted in. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, a lot of these folks that had support for Newsom, these, these hardcore Democrats who are also now bar owners, they are probably small business owners, they are not going to be supportive of that guy uh, at the next election. I know there's been all kinds of, of uh, re- recall efforts. You know, there's a recall effort every week. Those aren't working because he's got, he's got his minions that, that completely diffuse those things, and they find every reason not to count them. Now, um, back when Gray Davis got recalled, everybody hated him, everybody. So it wasn't very difficult to recall him. But with Newsom, he's got all his people below him, and they're all a bunch of uh, complete sycophants of his that support him in every corrupt way possible. So it's going to take an overwhelming vote of the state of California, the people of to get this guy out. And also in, in Los Angeles, you're going to have to get rid of Garcetti because he's a cancer to that city. He really, really is. Um, there's, no, there's no way out of it other than to just replace them with some common sense people that, that can do a much better job because these guys are completely delusional. Well, Bill, it's Southern California, and uh, it's it's California in the case of uh, you know Eric, or excuse me, in, in the case of Governor Newsom, and we just we have just as a state, California, have not made a practice uh, lately of uh, electing people that uh, ha- have a, a better head on their shoulders. So uh, I'm not hopeful as hopeful as maybe you are in that regards, because it's just going to be another cycle of uh, of lunacy. Uh, you know, we didn't think it would get worse than Jerry Brown, and, and here we are with Mr. Newsom. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith that uh, the state of California will change much. I just I just don't. Um, I, I do want to say this, Bill, that this is the first uh, illness, uh, virus, uh, check all the boxes you want, that is, uh, that is p- political. I, I've never seen something uh, that is so political um, – there's definitely some stall tactics going on with no, no, no. You got to wait, stay indoors, stay indoors. I know there's an election coming up in November. Um, there is other people that are like, hey, let's get out there. Let's see what happens here. Let's try to make some improvements. I think overall, you know, there, there will be a spike here in some cases if we all get out there. But in the long run, I think it's better off than keeping us locked up. And one more thing, you talk about masks, you talk about all these restrictions and everything. Um, 
I don't know how much they work or they don't work. I don't know a ton about viruses, but I know that, you know, if there's this six feet rule and sometimes it only goes one direction, people behind you, but then there's people next to you. Like there's so many inconsistencies. And I could say this about a mask. I wear a mask because I, I want to go different places. I don't like wearing a mask, but I do it. Um, I don't know how much good it does, but to me, whoever is making these decisions, it's a, it's another opportunity to really, uh, make everybody do something uniform. And, and that is kind of where I think a lot of these policies are. I don't know how safe they are. I think it's like this concept of, well, let's look like we're doing something at least. And I really don't know how much is actually getting done. Well, I'll, I'll say this. If you really want us to wear a mask, and, and I'm the same way you are. I wear one when I, when I go out just to let that person know that I come in contact with that, hey, as much of an asshole as I am, I care about you. I'm wearing a mask so I don't infect you if I do have it, okay? That's the only reason I do that, okay? Now, when I look at someone who's not wearing one, I can give two shits. I really can, you know? That's their, that's their prerogative. But think, going forward with this mask thing, make it a law. Make it a law, okay? Make it a law that you must wear, you shall. It's like wearing pants to cover your genitals or with females. <laughs> Uh, a bra or a, 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 some type of top to cover your, um, your, your, your breath. If, last time I checked, uh, if I walk outside with no pants on, A, someone's going to laugh at me, and B, I'm probably going to get arrested for, uh, you know, for being you know, uh, obscene in public. Okay, I'm not hurting anybody. By me walking around with my junk hanging out, it's not going to make anybody sick. It might make them sick to their stomach, but it's not going to make them physically ill. It's not going to give them a virus. This particular thing, if I don't wear a mask, they're saying I may give someone a virus. So if we're going to make laws to where we have to wear clothing to cover some parts of our body that provide that's not a health issue, then let's just make it a fucking law that you got to wear a mask. And then there's no you... if, if, ands, or buts about it. Then the crazy broad that was in that that they filmed in um, in the store in 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 um, in uh, Oh, yeah. In Hollywood, where she's screaming and yelling and going off, that would not be, you know, that, that wouldn't be, that would not be an issue. She'd either have to stay home or wear a mask. You wouldn't have her going off like a crazy lunatic in, in, inside a, um, a store like that, where, they, where masks are, are, are uh, mandatory. But do you really feel, Bill, that, I mean, do you really feel it, that that's necessary? That, I, that do. We should I do. do that? I do. Why, I why do. Why do you feel that way? Why do. do you feel that way about masks? Why, why, why should everyone have to do it? Because it just takes all the bullshit guesswork out of things. Whether it's helpful or not, whether it saves lives or not, they say it, they say it helps, they say it does. If you're going to, if you're going to, Make, make a suggestion to the American people. A lot of people will right off the bat say, be negative to it, all right? If there's any chance at all that this thing helps and saves lives, make it, make it a, 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 a temporary law that you, that you shall wear a mask. Just make it a fucking law, and then you take the guesswork out of it, all right? Just, just do it. Don't, don't, I highly advise you to wear a mask. It's highly, highly suggested. Fuck that. Just say, you know what, folks? It's law now. Where? Well, I, 
Yeah, I, I get the whole uh, I highly advise you stuff. I totally understand that. I'm like, okay, what's that really do? You're tell- you're giving me some wiggle room. But most businesses out here, places you go into, supermarkets or rest- food places, you know, it says clear as day, hey, you got to have a mask to come on in here. I mean, so it's not like it's uh, it's not like it's a suggestion in some of these areas. And I think, yeah, some people are are flipping out over this stuff. And, and again, I. I my question is how long – if the virus isn't going to go away, are we, are we wearing masks for the next 20 years? Well, what's, what's the plan here? What is the, the – you know, if you're going to say put it into law, is, you say it's temporary. But uh, So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to argue both sides of this thing, Bill, uh, just, just because I think we're still divided, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't like wearing a mask, but I'll wear a mask to go into a place to buy something because that's the policy. Uh, I don't want to get – uh, reprimanded. I don't want to cause a scene or anything. Uh, so I do it. And, and, and you know, I, I don't know how, who else thinks that way. I, I do think there's this like demonization, like even people walking outside, they, they, they look at you like, you're not wearing a mask. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not around anybody. You know what I mean? Right. No, I get that. I mean, if I walk to get my mail, I don't wear my mask because I'm, you know, chances are I'm not going to see anybody. And if I do, I'll make sure I'm a good six to 10 feet away from them. But if I go to the store, if I go where there's people around me, I wear a mask, okay? I'm not a, I mean, I'm a team player. I'll, I'll do it. And if you're going to chastise those who don't and create a spectacle and make and politicize it, no, make it a law. Just, okay, everybody's wearing a mask, okay? And if that sounds communist, if that sounds, you know, social, whatever, so be it, all right? Let's just cut the bullshit. Either wear a mask or don't. And yeah, if you don't, I, and if you don't, you know what? You're gonna, you know, there, there'll be some teeth in it now where you can be dealt with. I just found found it interesting. Like, okay, I, I there's a uh, where was it? It was a sandwich place. I went into the sandwich place. It said you had to wear a mask. I ordered my sandwich. Uh, I then sat at a table. I obviously took my mask off to eat. And then I put my mask on as, you know, as I left, as I was done. So I was kind of like just chuckling over this whole thing. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> obviously I'm not breathing on anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm breathing out, you know, my, my food is good. You know, I'm not sharing with anybody or anything, but it was just interesting. Like you got to wear a mask for all this time, except when you're eating and then, okay, then the virus go, I don't know. It's just, there's this inconsistency bill. And I, and I just, I know there's well, a lot of that going on, and I just I don't know. It just it's uh, it's really weird out there. There's been inconsistencies in this whole thing since the whole thing started. Do we yes. wear a mask? It does no good. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Uh, we take we take this for it. We take no look until there's a a hard line, effective vaccine. There's always going to be question marks. I mean, like I said, it, it's not going anywhere. We either go out and take this head on and live our lives or, or we retreat and we stay in our house and we don't mix with anyone. Now, I'm kind of doing a, a, you know, a little bit of, of both. I don't go out as much as I used to. I'm careful about where I go. And lock on wood so far, I have not gotten this thing. Uh, and once again, I know very, very few people. I, uh, me personally, I know of one person that I know. Mm-hmm. That if, who, if I saw on the street, I would know her. Other than that, it's been friends of friends or 
a relative of a, of a friend or someone like that, okay, that I've heard of. But again, it it's a you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on the severity of this thing because it affects different people in different ways. A, a, vib- a vibrant, young, healthy person gets it. It may not even slow them down. A fragile, older person who's got some underlying health issues, it obviously can kill them. So with that in mind, it's nothing to play with. It's something that we've got enough problems in this country. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, this, this COVID thing is just an added pile of shit to the whole heap. And the sooner we can deal with this and be done with it, uh, obviously, the better. Because there's, something, yeah. there's always something else. What's oh, next? Always, always. I mean, next month there'll be there'll be something else coming. And, yeah, there's there's plenty more. This year has just been one for the books. And, yeah, I don't want to, you know, beat COVID to death, but we've been – we've done the lockdown thing for three months now, unemployment, this and that. We've done that. And, yeah, things have opened up a little bit and spike goes up. That's going to happen. People, they get terrified of that. It's like – Okay, well, if, if you have the power to not go out and not go, not go back to work or do these things, then don't do it, all right? But for some people, they want to get out there. I don't think there's this, there's this deep concern to go uh, rub, rub shoulders with people or breathe on people, you know? Uh, you know, I understand the bar thing. If it's like clubs where there's like hundreds of people in there, people are dancing on each other and everything, that to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. But I mean, a couple dive bars where there's, you know, people all spaced out. You're really telling me that is that uh, uh, that big of a concern with everything else going on in the country today. That's like at the top of the governor agenda in the uh, in their meetings. That just I don't know. To me, I just don't understand that. But but we'll move on, Bill. We'll, we'll move on. Uh, one other thing that our governor did say uh you know, or maybe it was the LA County. I can't remember. You, you probably know more about this than I do, but uh, the the beaches have been officially closed this weekend for Fourth of July. And I want you to comment on this, Bill. Uh, the LA Sheriff Alex Villanueva, uh, from what I read, he's refusing to enforce the beach ban on July Fourth. Uh, I don't know if you read into that or not, but Bull, can you tell me your, your thoughts on that whole thing? Well, I, I kind of understand that a little bit. I mean, it's a it's a public, it's a pub, public health order. It's not a law, and <laughs> I guess the, from my understanding is, is that the, any department is not bound to enforce that. Um, edu- education and advising people is the way they want to go. Um, now, I kind of, I'm not a real big fan of of him, but I will say this. He, if you can't effectively go out and enforce looters, protest, uh, un, non-peaceful protesters, demonstrators, if you can't effectively go out and enforce them, why are you going to put your resources into uh, messing with people that all they're doing is sitting on a beach on a holiday and relaxing? They're not out there creating havoc. They're not out having riots. They're just out there relaxing. I think his resources, from what he says, are so thin anyway that it would be stupid for him to put his deputies out at the beach other, and, and other than being in the inner city or on patrol where they're needed. I, I applaud that decision. Um, 
again, he's a politician and he's looking, he's looking for votes because the LA County Board of Supervisors absolutely hate him and they want him out. They're doing all they can to discredit him. They're defunding his, his uh, organization tremendously. So if they say up, he's going to go down. So. Well, I thought, I thought, yeah. I'm sorry, Bill. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, it's a political move on his part to, you know, basically go right back at the board of supervisors who have made this decision and tell them, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to enforce it. Well, a few things come to mind here. First of all, uh, I thought we were defunding the police, uh, but now all of a sudden we need them to go out and and, uh, tell people they can't go on a beach. Yet burnings are building uh, or backwards there. Buildings are burning. Uh, There's there's still some uh, some terrorism. I'll I'll call it what it is. not the protesters, of course, on, uh, but the, the, some of the marching and the destruction of uh, monuments and statues and all that. All of that is, is uh, we can ignore that. But one, we have to send the police out there, who, and, and I know this is the sheriff's, but to fund the police who we don't want around, but now we want them to, hey, go make sure that people aren't at the beach. What, why is all this so backwards to me? Am, am, I, just, am I just losing my mind here? What, what is it, Bill? It's whatever these, these left-wing uh, crazy Democrats find as their flavor of the day. That's what they want. And the police chiefs and sheriffs are no better because they're right along. They're not offering any resistance. You know, um, They're doing exactly what they're ordered to do because, once again, they are minions and cronies of these mayors and city council people. They want to keep their job. Therefore, they do as they're told. Um, and I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you. A lot of cops I know that are still on the job, they're to the point now where they've given up and they say, you know what, fuck it, defund us. I don't care. You want to take my car, take our equipment, take our resources, great. Um, we'll answer, we'll, answer uh, we'll walk the calls. You know, um, we, we, we'll do what, whatever you want. You know, the pay's the same. Whatever you want us to do, make make this job a whole lot easier. I, I, uh, the, one, I guess the ones that the ones that are losing are, are the public when they when they call nine one one, and it takes forty five minutes to, for a cop to get out there on a in progress burglary or a robbery or felony, they're the ones losing. I, I saw a clip from Minneapolis, and uh, you know, <laughs> I it was an all out. Uh, gunfight basically in the streets no police to be found of course uh you know with with all the the the, the pushback there but this this looked like the wild west it was a group of people just shooting at each other uh i don't know if it was gang related or what the deal was uh, so i don't want to comment on that but uh you know i'm always in favor of defending your property your family but but that was Un, but that was unbelievable what I saw. And I'm just like, man, some of the, this, the direction we're going and, and defunding the police and all this, like people don't understand how terrible, how big of a bad idea this is. Well, it is. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, you get, you, 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 you'll get what you, what, you know, you'll get what you pay for. And in this case, you're not paying for anything. You're not going to get anything. 
Well, Bill, when they talk about defunding the police, I mean, what what does that mean as far as like like money? I guess like I'm sure as someone who worked in the business, you know, is it just is that common where funds kind of sometimes you get more funding, sometimes you get less funding? What what exactly are some of the specifics of that? Well, what it is, it's a it's a, a yearly uh, budget and money is allocated for po- the police and. What happens is, let's just say you're going to get $100 million. I'm just throwing that out as a number. $100 million one year, and then the next year, we're only going to give you $70 million. Well, you're going to have to find cuts to alleviate that $30 million you're losing. So you may cut something like, um, you know, uh, community relations. You may have to cut. It depends on what your priorities are. You may cut uh, a certain amount of patrol officers and put them somewhere else. You may cut. You're just going to have to kind of, um, you know, juggle some things and cut some programs that aren't that, you know, black and white with policing. You know, you're going to have to take some a little bit of chrome off the engine, so to speak. Wow. Well, I mean, again, I, I am. There's plenty of people who keep chanting it these days, and uh, you know I'm just not I, I don't see or or understand how that's going to help anything. Uh, but that's just my opinion as a civilian, much like it's their opinion. And uh, I think you, it, it, I would be surprised if at the end of this year we didn't see the biggest police force, the the most retirements. At by the end of 2020 than we've ever seen ever. That, that's, I, I, I have a feeling that it's going to be that way by the end of this year. You're going to see a lot of retirements. You're going to see a lot of, of departments offer guys a, a uh, early out. They're going to give them some offers. Hey, we know you're going to retire in two years. We're going to give you such and such now to, and say adios. And trust me, they'll go. They'll go. Most guys that are ready for retirement right now want to be retired. They can't wait. Um, you know, I know several of those guys in, in that position right now, and they want out bad. They can't stand what's going on. They can't stand what this job has become. No, uh, absolutely. It's, it, there's, there's no reason to do it except, uh, you know, the, the goodness of their heart and wanting to make a difference. But, but if you can only be told you're not appreciated so, so many times, I mean, it's like a bad relationship, really. It's like at some point you got to say, "All right, I'm I'm done with this. My intentions were good, but I'm just I'm over this whole thing." So, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, um, being a cop and being married are kind of the same. You don't really want to be told what a great husband you are, and you really don't need to be told what a great cop you are. Just don't fuck with me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty you know, simple. <laughs> I, you don't need to reinforce how great I am because. I've picked a job that, no, that, that, that comes with all kinds of negative uh, overtones anyway. It, it, it's a, you're, in the, you're in the negativity business to begin with. People aren't calling you and having you come to their house to, to tell you what a great guy you are. You're going to their house because you're there to handle a problem. You're not there to play video games with them. You know, you're, not, <laughs> you're not coming over for, for ice cream and cake. Um, yeah. You're there to handle a problem because these people can't. Well, so, Bill, 
I mean, you talk about early retirement. You were a guy that retired pretty much right right at the your first moment that you could. I know there's a lot of guys that, that stay on for a couple more years to you know make a few more dollars, uh, maybe in a different way, take advantage of some programs and everything. Um, but are you telling me kind of now that more guys are going to just say, you know what, as soon as I can, I'm going to. And also with you, I mean, were you just at a point where you're like, I'm totally done with this. I need to, to get away as soon as possible. Yes. I was to the point where it was, I had to basically get a, a, um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist over to my house every morning to talk me into getting out of bed and going to work. Okay. I hated it that much. I could <laughs> not stand it. I was my last year or two. I was so burned out. I was just in a mundane situation. Um, and I was, I couldn't stand going in there because of the same old uphill. It was like a shit every day. I, I felt like a hamster on one of those um, treadmills. Okay. Yep. And it was just, I'm thinking, what am I doing? You know, I was just burnt out. I couldn't stand talking to victims. I didn't like dealing with suspects because it was a, it was a, uh, basically just a complete joke back then. And this was 2007, eight, nine. And, uh, the people I worked for, you have to understand when you become a veteran officer, you don't have the respect for the folks that are above you. Like you do when you first come on, you have mm-hmm. this crazy assumption that the folks in command, are smart and they know something when you first come on that quickly erodes. And then when you're on 25, 20, 25 years, it's the people you came on with and those below you that start getting promoted. And you saw what complete fucking dorks they were when you worked with them. And now you have to answer to them and work for them. Your morale and your sense of what the hell am I doing here really comes into play. And you like scratch your head every time you have to talk to these people because they were idiots when they came on and they're bigger idiots now. And that's what I was, and that's, that's what I was dealing with. Yeah. I, I hear you. I mean, uh, if it was, if you're, if you're saying it was that bad, uh, that recent or that, you know, however long ago that was, and it's gotta be multiplied by that now. I mean, that's just, it doesn't speak well for the psyche of those who, who are continuing to do it. And uh, we've spoken on this a few times, but I just can't imagine what it's like these days uh, for, for these guys out there to, to continue to do uh, this work that is unappreciated. And uh, yeah, we're going to, we're, we're in for some real trouble uh, when, when we start getting rid of police. I, I don't think we'll get rid of police. I think cooler heads will prevail. Uh, but, but that, uh, I mean, are, you, are there some other stories of guys, not recently, but, but guys you, you worked with who, uh, you know, should have retired maybe earlier? Uh, maybe any experiences you could tell us about guys who uh, needed to retire right away, but, they, you know, they, they stuck around for a while. I don't know. Just any cases like that from your time coming up? Well, I'm sure there was. I can't recall any right now. Um, I, there was always – you always had a couple of loose cannons you worked with that – you're thinking, what the hell? Why isn't he still here? You know, but um, you know, for whatever reason, they stuck around and they made it. Uh, there was a couple of there were a couple instances instances where um, 
a negative retention situation, bit the city and the department in the ass, and that was their fault. They should sure. have probably retired somebody, and that person went on to make the city look bad. And you know what? You know, should have, you know, not to say we didn't tell you, you know, you know, shame on you for not listening to us. But, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, always, that always happens, and it'll continue to happen. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, the world keeps spinning, and crazy people stay on it. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's that way in every, every facet of business, I suppose. Well, Bill, last week we discussed uh, Major League Baseball, and it was looking like it was uh, they were going to reach an agreement and eventually uh, come to terms on, on some of the – uh, you know, the, the exact details and everything. But uh, since we've done the show, they did come to an agreement. They settled on a 60-game season that uh, will be taking place uh, in July. The end of July is from what it sounds like. But, um, you know, I mean, what are your initial thoughts on the fact that, that they reached a deal? And I know you have, you know, maybe some uh, inside sources <laughs> that uh, I know you discussed some of these things about. So what can you tell me about your general thoughts with Major League Baseball? Well, they've got a, a, a uh, agreement in place that will basically be a very regionalized schedule. Um, for example, the Angels, Padres, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, and I believe um, the A's, Giants, and Mariners, I guess, are all in one, one uh, regionalized um, uh, league, I believe. And there's going to be a lot of, I guess, 45 of the 60 games are going to be within your, your team's uh, conference. Division, yeah. Yeah, I guess there's 10 teams in each three conferences. Am I right on that? My, my uh, understanding with the breakdown is that it's a 60-game season, so you have four other teams in your division, three five-team okay. divisions. So okay. you're going to play you're going to play those four teams in your division uh, ten times. So there's right. 40 games, right. and then the in the inverse, the other league. So the NL West will pl- then also play the AL West, and they will play each of those teams a total of 20 games basically meaning one four-game series because there's five teams in that division. So four-game series against each of the teams from the uh, other league, so the NL West against the AL West. So you'll play – Dodgers will play the Angels just four games. The Dodgers will play, you know, the Oakland A's just four games. So there's your 20 games. That's kind of the breakdown. It's basically just going to be West versus West, uh, Central versus Central, and East versus East. And these are all teams, and they're combining leagues, correct? Uh, yes, I, I, my understanding is that the, 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 the leagues are going to stay the same. It's still going to be an NL West champion an AL West champion. I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, just three, 10 team divisions. Okay. I think it's still going to stay under the structure of NL versus AL, but because otherwise if they had done that, then they would have obviously played more games against each other, uh, with the crossover but I think it's just a way to break it up so you're not just playing your divisional opponents. Uh, 40 games against four other teams is more than enough, right? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so then, okay, so, so your, your, your American League West will be what? Houston, the Angels, 
uh, Oakland and Seattle. And the Rangers. Okay. Okay. All right. So there's your five right there. And then the then the National League West will be the uh, it's the same. I guess what same as it's always been. Yeah. Yeah. The okay. divisions. Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers, Giants, uh, Rockies, um, Diamondbacks, and uh, Padres. Right. That's it. Right. Okay. Well. All right. Well then. There'll be a little more travel then than what I had initially thought. And, but whatever, you know, 60 games is 60 games. And the bottom line is, whoever, it's going to be a sprint, not a, not a race. <laughs> and whoever stays the healthiest will probably have the best chance of winning. Uh, you know, think, look, at it, look at it this way. If you get... Uh, one player, let's say Mike Trout gets COVID-19, two-week, 14-day 14 14-day 14 isolation, and then you, have to go, then you have to test negative twice in a row. That's three weeks. That's half the season. He's on the shelf. <laughs> yep. So you better have a pretty good taxi squad of guys. And, <laughs> um, I mean, again, this is all of – this is not, never – this is something brand new. Nobody knows how it's going to go. I would, I mean, any, I mean, you talk about a season that's up for grabs, a 60-game regular season, who knows who wins it, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're, you're flipping a coin, man, on who, who, who wins and who loses. 60 games is nothing. That's a third of the regular, that's a third of 61, 21, that's almost a, a third of a season. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy that, you know, you said it, marathon versus sprint. It is taking a, a sport that is a marathon, that the beauty of the baseball is that it is a grind. It's a long time. It's every day. And, the, and these games are going to be played every day also. But you're taking a marathon and compacting it into a sprint. I mean, if you take a, a long distance runners and you put them in a hundred yard dash, uh, you know, things wouldn't go well, just as the, the sprinters probably wouldn't do great in long distance runs. So that's kind of the analogy there, but it's very unique that baseball is going to go this way and, and put, put these games in to a short amount of time and, and also just play pretty much regionally. You're not going to have that many matchups. It's going to be the Dodgers and the Giants a lot, the, uh, the Padres and the Rockies uh, a lot. I mean, all these – these regions, it's just, it's just going to be a, a lot, a lot different than we're used to. You've got a lot of safeguards being adhered to too. Um, in this, you've got a locker room that's usually meant for 25, 30 guys. From what I understand, there's only 10 players assigned to a locker room. Um, you've got the coaching staff is taking up suites that are normally for uh, VIPs and the dugout suites. You also have uh, the players have a lot of the elite players have their private have private suites being converted to locker rooms. Everybody has their own safe area, and that's a big difference. I don't think you're going to see the post game buffet spreads they put out anymore. I think showering will be something that is will be a lost art. It's kind of like you know back in your high school days, 
you go play the game, you change clothes, and you get out of there. You already, maybe you don't even change clothes. I know maybe <laughs> I, I'm just coming up with a theory here. I'm thinking that the umpires, my thought is, and kind of what I've heard, and I don't know if this is going to be true, is that if you're a local umpire, let's say you're, you, you're, you're umpiring a game in Dodger Stadium and you live in, let's say, Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. you're probably just going to commute to the ballpark in your uniform. If you're working the bases that night, wear your uniform, go through the tunnel, work the game, go out the tunnel, get in your car and go home. Now, if you're the, pl- if you're the plate guy, if you're the plate guy, you, you probably need the locker room to dress and undress and put all your gear on. And I'm sure that, you know, that will, that will be available, but you'll be in there by yourself. And um, so that's going to be different. You know, just kind of like, you know, back in the days when you had a high school game, you, you, you put half your shit on, you drove to the ballpark, you put your shirt on, ran on the field, did the game, game's over, got in your car and left. So that could be a whole, or if you're staying at a, at a, at a hotel, you may be dressing in your, in your hotel room, walking down through the lobby, getting in the car and going to the game. It could be the, it could be the way for players and uh, the, the officials. Who knows? I, I, I don't I know that's a possibility, just to alleviate distance. There will be no high-fiving, no spitting, no arguing from short distance will be allowed. Uh, no fighting, no fighting, what a, what a concept that is. Um, I know there's a lot of ru- different rules that have been put into play. But, but this is, okay, uh, Bill, I mean, <laughs> what, do, what do we do? Okay, no fighting. That, okay, really? That's been that's been around forever. There's no fighting. Like that that doesn't mean they're not going to fight. Tell them guys are not going to argue. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's not going to happen. Guys are still going to argue six feet or not. And then you got if if people are dressing in their their hotel rooms, especially umpires, that's unsafe. That's completely unsafe to have somebody walking through a, a lobby wearing their umpire uniform or or most of it. I mean, guys like you and I can we, we know what umpires look like and who they are in their civilian clothes, but not everyone else does. Now you're putting a target on those guys' back. That's completely inappropriate. And for well, the players players as well. I mean, I, I know there's security and this and that, but I'm just thinking out loud right now, Bill. Well, if you're wearing a gray pair of slacks and some base shoes and you have your a black windbreaker on over your shirt, I, I, I don't it's gonna take more than the average bear to figure out who you are. I mean uh, I think you're okay there. I really do. Um, if, if you're going to go out of your way to figure out who an umpire was and yell and scream <laughs> at him, you're going to know whether he's in his plain clothes or in his uniform. So I, I don't know. I, again, that's, it's uncharted waters. Who knows what they're going to do? I, I, you know, and, and to be honest with you, how, how much of this season can they if, – if three or four guys on a team go down, <laughs> I mean, come on. I, are you going to continue this madness? Are you going to yeah. play through it and treat it like just like it's an injury plague on a team, or because it's a, a virus, you're going to shut shit down? And besides yeah. that, you're not going to have fans there. It's going to be TV only. It's going to be kind of a farce, in my opinion, anyway. But they're going to do it. <laughs> but they're going to do it. Yeah, I was I was craving sports for so long, and and I told you a couple times already. Now I'm just like I'm almost like ah, I don't I don't even care anymore. Uh, I'll probably tune in just to see what it's like, but 
yeah, some of these things I've heard. Okay, no spitting. How are they going to police no spitting? They're going to find guys every time they do it. Guys will still do it. They don't care. I mean, you can you can make all these laws and restrictions all you want. The, these these millionaire athletes are used to doing things a certain way. Uh, and you know what? Health concerns. I mean, I don't know. You can make a million and one laws about health concerns. Uh, it, at some point, you you got to play the game of baseball. At some point, we got to live our lives as well and just. Uh, let the chips fall where they may or however the phrase is, uh, you know, it, you made an analogy not too long ago. And, and it kind of was like when we umpire baseball, sometimes we have rain situations and we have decisions to make is whether do we call the game and do we pull the tarp and say, hey, let's do it again another day or do we wait it out or do we play through it? Sometimes you get to play through a little rain just to kind of get through okay the rain's gonna pass and we're gonna keep playing so it's uncomfortable but you got to play through it so that's kind of my thoughts just with baseball in general like with this whole COVID thing is okay we're gonna have to play through some through some uh, stuff we're not used to playing through and again like you said if somebody does go down because of COVID I mean they're gonna miss a good chunk of the season so to me the the World Series if you want to call it that or what you know (laughs) maybe the name will be changed I don't know uh to me it's all up for grabs if the season gets completed in in its uh full entirety and I I'm skeptical whether that'll happen or not I'm skeptical whether it will I'm skeptical whether or not all the other sports will take place it all hinges on at what point do you draw the line whether this is safe or unsafe that's the bottom line just like like you say in a rain situation if you have a good tarp and you know that you know the 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 rain may stop you bring the tarp on and you wait if you don't have a tarp available and you just play until the 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 uh the dirt has become puddles you play until then you basically kind of go until it's safe or unsafe and that's field conditions health conditions whatever the conditions may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a first. We're going to see it. It's going to be really odd, not just what's on the field, but, you know, the dugouts, the, the interactions with everybody off the field. It's going to be something very different. It's completely different than this whole NBA bubble thing. They're just trying to quarantine everyone and put them in one location. I mean, I, I don't agree with that either, but, you know, this is kind of where we're at. I think more and more, as football players get out on the practice field more, you know, more and more people are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to get infected. And you know what? It, decisions are going to have to be made whether you move forward or not. And I don't know if people are willing at those high levels of those sports are willing to do that. If they're willing to say, you know what, we're just going to play. I, I just I, I think it's not that simple, but I don't know how many of them are willing to do that. Well, time will see. We shall see. Nobody knows. That's one no, of those no. questions that um, between the brilliance of you and I, we cannot come up with an answer. <laughs> We've been sitting here one day a week trying to come up with something for, uh, you know, over three months now, and uh, we're still searching for answers. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe we need a raise. I don't know. But some people at the highest levels, uh, you'd, like, you'd like to hope that they're doing a little bit more than you and I do on a weekly basis. Let's hope so. Because we don't do shit. We, we, have no, we have absolutely no um, – we're doing nothing for society. Absolutely nothing. No, not at all. <laughs> that we are uh, – what's the word? Oh, we are non-essential to, uh, to the planet, Bill, honestly. You and I. Completely non-essential. <laughs> well, Bill, before we let you go, uh, the 4th of July is this weekend. It's a, 
you know what, it's uh, it's an Independence Day. It's a celebration of kind of the birth of our nation. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I am really curious what the quote unquote celebration is going to look like this year. I think a lot of people are looking at, uh, you know, that time period is that everyone was evil. Uh, I don't see that way because I don't, you know, we, I, I those people weren't born in 2020 and then shipped back to the late 1700s, uh, you know, with our viewpoints and stuff. So uh, we don't we don't have to talk about that. But I just want to say that, you know, Fourth of July to me still means something. It's Independence Day. I know it's it's just another day to some people, but I hope that there's enough people out there who look at Independence Day this weekend uh, for the greatness that it is. It's the birth of, uh, you know, our great country. People did a lot of things um, in the Revolutionary War fighting for us so that we could have a future. And uh, anyway, I, I don't know what you're doing. I know you're probably not going to the beach, but uh, any plans for 4th of July? I'll be in Laughlin uh, leaving tomorrow. I'll be back Sunday. Um, as of now, the Nevada side is still open as far as uh, watering holes, etc. Arizona's shut down, um, but I will have to uh, either drink in the, in, uh, in the room or find a place in, on, in Laughlin, which I'm sure there's plenty of. But uh, the bullhead side is uh, off limits. So I'll make do with uh, what I can. There was always a really big fireworks show in Laughlin on the 4th. That, unfortunately, has been canceled. I'm sure there'll be some uh, do-it-yourself homemade celebrations (laughs) going on, which I'm looking forward to uh, looking into. So one way or another, another, we'll make it a good 4th and – we do have a lot to still be thankful for, but we're being challenged right now. We're, be, we're being challenged by our own people within this country that just can't seem to figure out what's important and what isn't. Yeah, that's uh, very well said. And, uh, yeah, it's very unfortunate. They, the true irony is that a lot of people don't understand that they have a lot of the freedoms to do the, the things because of, uh, you know, our history and, and the, the things people have fought for. And anyway, we'll get into that on another show. Well, Bill, you have a great time in uh, Nevada and, uh, you know, stay on the right side of the river where you can do stuff. Uh, should be a good time. Have a great Fourth of July. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. I'm sure something will be brewing at that time that we'll dive into and kick the shit out of and maybe either make it better or make it a whole lot worse. <laughs> we certainly will. Take care and be safe, Bill. All right. Take care. See you, everybody. A very big thank you, Bill Barnes. Be safe out there on your way to Laughlin, huh? Make sure to bring your mask, your sunscreen, uh, maybe some other... Uh, Whatever else you need, Bill, just be safe out there. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Have a happy 4th of July, my friend. Well, guys, let me tell you about tomorrow's guest. We are going to be joined by Kevin's Carpio. Kevin's is an athletic trainer. He is a Real Honda Prep graduate, of course. Who else? But uh, Kevin's has been a part of athletic training for quite a few years now. He is... Uh, has his uh, own own school he's working at now up in Adelanto, California, but he has uh, experience working at the professional level, a couple different colleges. He's going to talk to us a lot about what the process has been like as an athletic trainer, some of the, the steps you have to take, and just some of the 
some of the uh, what the mindset is like really about being an athletic trainer, being ready to for anything uh, really, and and working with kids these days, right? In times where maybe toughness is out the window a little bit, but at the same time,、uh, he'll talk to us about safety and just a lot of different things. So. Really getting a unique perspective tomorrow from our guest, being a, an athletic trainer, and, and all the all the、uh, journeys he's taken. So can't wait to hear from him. Be sure to tune in. Another thank you to Will Tarico for sending in the first voice message、uh, of the program, and we gave kind of a long-winded answer, but、uh, I'm sure I'll get、uh, knocked knocked around for that by some of my、uh, my friends and stuff. But hey, it's all in good fun.、Uh, we look forward to hearing from more guests. Be sure to send out、uh, your questions or topics. On the Anchor app, if you'd like to take part in this,、uh, we operate through Anchor, as you well know.、Uh, wherever you listen to our podcast, Apple, Spotify, what other platform you listen to, we appreciate your time and your listenership. Our, our plays are well over four thousand now. Just really excited about all that. There's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have a Twitter handle that is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe. Podcast and our email address is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo dot com. If you'd like to write us, you can do so there. If you don't want to、uh, take part in maybe a voice message, same thing. If you have a topic or just want to reach out and say hello, please feel free to do so. We look forward to it,、uh, guys. It's been a fun week already. We are three days down, two to go. We got Kevin Scarpio on Thursday and probably a Fourth、uh, of July type show on Friday. I'm still working on it. Uh, there's a lot of topics I'd like to、uh, share. Again, if anyone wants to tune in or to contribute to the show, send a voice message through Anchor. It's a lot of fun to hear from you. But guys, whatever else you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>